Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. If you were to look at a group picture of the board of the Northumberland Hills Hospital, some things would stand out. First, you would notice that there were more women than men. You might also notice that there's not a lot of diversity beyond that. If you dig a bit deeper, you might also find that there's not a lot of inclusiveness when it comes to race, economic class, and age. Well, the two members of the hospital board, the chair, Pam Wente, and nominations committee member, Cindy Gilmer, will tell you what they're trying to do to change that. As you will hear, the board is looking to recruit new members in the hopes of getting a broader representation from the community. Here is that interview. I'm so pleased to have with me today Pam Wendt, Chair of the Board of Directors for the Northumberland Hills Hospital, and Cindy Gilmer, the Chair of the Nomination Committee of the Board. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you. Thank you. It's my understanding that you're looking for board members. Can you tell me about this initiative? Maybe we'll start with you, Pam. Thanks, Rob. Um, Yes, we are. Uh, coincidentally, of course, this is National Volunteer Week, um, and we, we actually deliberately uh, planned some of our um, our media for this week, so I really appreciate having this opportunity to, to talk on your show. Um, so we said you said we are recruiting board members, I, and I want to explain the process that we use, uh, because this is the message we're trying to get through to, to our, our community and uh, friends and neighbors. So we actually have... Um, a sort of a two-stage process towards uh, bringing people onto the board. Although we may recruit directly onto the board, as we did with Cindy, because of her experience as, uh, as a director and in-house services, but the majority of people that uh, join us are start as what we call community members. And community members sit on our board committees where they have a full vote. And normally a community member will, uh, they don't have to, to uh, take up a board seat, but when a board seat is opened, then we go to those community members first. So if you're a baseball fan like I am, it's like having bench strength. And the advantages to this system, and I say what we're recruiting for now are these community members. The, the advantages are that the community member has an opportunity to learn about the health services industry, to observe the board in operation, uh, and therefore prepare and get up a learning curve that can be quite steep so that when they do take a seat at the board, if that's their desire and they're, they are the successful candidate, that they're ready. It also gives the rest of the board and the nominations committee in particular, an opportunity to see the perspective, community member and prospective board member in action at those committees. And um, because we, we do want to make sure that the people that join our board share our values. So it, it's the benefits go both ways. And we've found it's been a very successful way of bringing people onto the board who are ready from day one to perform their duties. Um, Cindy, I don't know if you want to add to that. 
Um, no, I think I think it's a great thing. I think the the thing that people say to us is that all of the acronyms and the complexity of healthcare and the complexity of budgeting and the complexity of, of the government uh, oversight of healthcare is a little daunting to begin with. And so that two years give pe gives people an opportunity to really settle in and feel as though they know what all the acronyms are, they know what the governance needs to be, and so that when they step up to to the board, that they feel confident. And and we hear that from from virtually everyone. So Cindy, just to be clear, what you're recruiting right now are what you call community, community members? members. Community yes. members. Yes. So these community members are just anybody and then they come on, they spend how long uh, on this uh, community board? Usually two years sitting with the board. So two years of being on a couple of our, our committees um, where they actually sit at the table and, and have a vote about things that are going on and get their, their feet wet in, in that voting process. But they also sit at our board meetings um, in, in, and listen in and um, are part of our in-camera meetings. Um, so that it's like a, a trial run, if you will, for them so that they feel really comfortable. Um, Lots of input at, at most of the input, if you can imagine, at a board is is at the committee meetings because that's where the fulsome discussions occur. Um, so they really get a good grounding in what what hospital care is about and what uh, the system of healthcare is about in Ontario, especially now as things have been changing over the last number of years with the in, you know the introduction of the. Um, Ontario health networks and as we go into this sort of post COVID recovery period where. We're not exactly sure how the how the government is going to manage that, but it's going to be a challenge um, with all the changes that have occurred in the last two years. That'll give them a, 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 a testing ground for themselves to see, first of all, if they like it. And, and then also, as I say, to get used to some of the acronyms, because um, if <laughs> healthcare is nothing, if it's not full of acronyms, we we uh, we tend to talk in code, I think. And, and so how does the replenishment of the board of directors take place? Because uh, that's a, a separate body then that, that has different responsibilities and different powers. So Pam, could you explain how that process takes place and, and its relationship back to the uh, community members? Mm -hmm. Just before I, I answer that question, I just wanted to elaborate too on the, the committees that we say they, they sit on committees. They are committees like finance, uh, quality and safety, governance so they're, they're really important committees well, they're not since just... we're doing that because i was going to ask that after but let's let's get that really clear now so how many committee committees are there and what are their names so the four committees on which community members sit are finance and audit governance quality and safety and that's the quality and safety not only for patients but also for our staff and finally um, facilities and campus development, which is really the committee that deals with the hospital as a physical entity, for example, new roof, that sort of thing. It, th those conversations happen at that, that meeting. So those are the four meetings that, um, or four committees that com community members sit on. And those committees then come up with recommendations, which then float up to the main the board. board of directors. And then the board of directors then takes those and uh, chooses what it's going to do with those recommendations. Am I understanding that correctly? You've got it right on. Yes. So the board will make the ultimate decision. Um, but yes, the committee members, and as Cindy said, the, the, the very fulsome conversations happen at the committee member at the committee level, and that the information is supplied by uh, members of our staff from the senior team. 
all of the information is digested by the committee members that they make a recommendation to the board. The board then decides to approve or not, or recycle if, um, if, if the information is not sufficient. But we found it's a very effective way of making sure we get all the right people, all the right heads working on it, and then the right heads making the decision. So in terms of um, moving up to the board, and we should say up or down, but anyway, um, so when uh, our board, board members are allowed to serve for three consecutive terms of three years each. So after nine years, a board member must retire. We also have had, unfortunately, situations uh, where health or personal uh, family matters or, or moving outside of the county, we lose a director in less than nine years and sometimes even in the middle of a term. So whenever we have an opening uh, for a board member, we ask the community members and we have right now we have three, but we could have up to five community members uh, at any one time. We ask them if they're interested in filling the seat. If they are, then there is an interview similar to their, in, their first interview, but a little more in depth in terms of uh, governance. And um, again, not all community members want to be board members. They're quite content to serve five years as community member, but those that wish to apply for a board member are interviewed. And um, we have always found suitable um, people to, to join the board. Um, because of course, when we're, when we're recruiting and interviewing at the community level in our minds, we're also interviewing for future board members. Cindy, how many people are you recruiting during this current round? To the board? Two I'm people. sorry, for the community members. It's my Oh, for the community members. For community members. Um, oh gosh, three, I believe. At least three. At least three. Three, as Pam says, we can we can have up to five members, but at this point, we're looking for three. And are are you recruiting directly for the the board as as well at this time? Yes, we are. We're looking for two members for the board as well. So we have the the interested uh, community members who will be undergoing the process that uh, Pam just outlined. Okay, it sounds a little bit confusing because there's so many levels to it. So it does, I, you know, I but. I just want to be really clear. So what are we looking for? We're looking for three community members. We're looking for two board members, but the board members are coming from the existing pool of community. Yeah. So they'll move up and you're yeah. looking somewhere three to five people uh, for those committees that you've got. Uh, yeah. Have I got yes. that right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because not, not all community members stay for five years either. So, you know, we, 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 and, and as I say, we, we, we know every January we ask board members, are you going to continue in the position? And so we have a few months to know if they're not going to then to, okay. to recruit, to replace them. But um, we, we have found, our experience has been that we have to have at least three to cover all possible situations all right. and five we can accommodate. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, if we found five really great people, we'd bring them in. If we, if we don't find three, then we'd go out to the street again. So I'll come back to you then, Cindy. What are you looking for in terms of volunteers? What, what sort of skills, what sort of qualities are you looking for for these individuals? So we're really looking, we're really looking for people with, with lived experience that, that have an interest in, in supporting healthcare in our area. Um, we, we're always open for folks that have some board experience because, you know, governance is a bit of a different beast, if you will. Um, so folks that may have served on another board, um, 
but I think what we're really trying to do is, is you know, get different voices at the table, um, voices from the community, because our community is changing. And, um, you know, we, we really want to be able to hear um, what this, this community needs as, as the, uh, the hospital grows and as it, it changes um, to, to support the needs of the community. You know, it's not the same community, for example, that it was 10 years ago. And we really need people that are, are keen and prepared to put in the work because it is work. Um, there, you know, we are we are involved in uh, in these meetings. You have to be prepared to discuss um, at the uh, committee level and you know read up on on the information that you're given from staff and have a keen interest in in you know having an excellent hospital in our region. Um, but that that lovely you know, diverse views, diverse lived experience really, really helps to inform our decisions. Um, so you don't get in that sort of narrow pathway where you're all thinking the same. Uh, so what, in terms of a commitment, then what type of a commitment would a person be looking at if they were to come on? So generally, um, we have, and Pam, you'll have to correct me if I get it wrong, because I don't have it right open in front of me. But basically, um, our community members sit on uh, two committees. Um, and that those are a, a meeting of a couple hours each, um, every other month. And then there are the board meetings, which are, again, any well, in good times, two hours every other month when things are really um, changing or we, we have a, a need to be able to respond to something that's happening, it can be a little bit longer than that. So um, again, for the sort of the, the term runs from September till June, um, the summer months we, we tend to take off. Although, you know, when things are happening too, we sometimes have to meet in, in August to get ready for the next term. So you're probably looking at uh, six, Hey, Pam, six hours a month, maybe okay. eight hours? Six, six in meetings and then a couple of hours to prepare. Yeah. Um, the meeting materials always go out a week in advance so that everyone can be prepared. Um, and often there is a lot of reading and preparation. Sidney, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. are, are people paid to do this? Do you get a stipend? No, and, no you don't get a stipend. And are, is there any training involved at all? Absolutely, absolutely. We have we have an orientation manual, and Pam, as the chair, um, meets with the, with the new um, people coming on, as does the the CEO, and goes over the orientation manual. We we you know there's all kinds of you know things, policies and procedures, and some of those standard orientation things. But Pam always asks too, like, what do you need? What what can we give you to help you, you know, transition quickly into into your role? And some folks require a little bit more than others, um, depending on how much healthcare experience they've had or how much interaction with healthcare they've had. Um, we offer a, like a mentor, someone to to sort of be a buddy, if you will, um, through that first year to help translate sometimes what it is we're working on and bring people up to speed. Um, healthcare tends to roll along and, and things come back again. So, you know, it, it's helpful to have someone that's maybe seen the budgetary cycle and can talk about this is what, how the government funds the organizations and that sort of thing. So we, um, we do that, we do that kind of, and if, if there's more than one, I think we've, we've done it as a, as a, like a small workshop and at other times it's been independent individual orientation. Pam, what if the person doesn't know anything about the healthcare system? What kind of background knowledge would a person need or would a per should a person have if they're considering volunteering? Well, if, if they don't have any, you know, I, I really would 
be, I think it would be hard to find anyone in our county that hasn't been in touch by healthcare in some way. It doesn't have to just be hospital healthcare, can be primary care. Um, and of course, it's always in the news. So people sometimes don't realize how much they know. Um, but our, our senior team, the, the CEO uh, and the vice presidents are all available for questions. Um, they're all very open to that. And um, you know, no question is considered to be uh, dumb. So, so they're there to help us out. And um, as I mentioned, the materials for meetings are sent out ahead of time and they're, they're detailed enough. They're not too hard to understand, but briefing notes come out, um, executive summaries with lots of explanations. Um, we also have, and I've, I've been now associated, I had two years as a community member and I, I'm now in my sixth year as a board member. I have a, a multi-page document that I carry around with me and it's all the acronyms that are used in healthcare and I still have to look up some of them. So we have, we have things like that. Um, we also have the Ontario Hospital Association that puts on webinars and uh, with all of our um, Board members and community members are invited to attend those and they're on topics that, that we, we need to know more about. And uh, once we have people, someone joins the board itself, there are some professional seminars as well that the OHA puts on in terms of governance, which is um, it, it's governance, governing at the hospital board level is very similar to governing at any not-for-profit. Although again, we have responsibilities to the government, which is unusual in a not-for-profit. Now, skills are important. And in your, uh, your December 2021 board meeting, uh, it says in the minutes that you're looking for new members with facilities knowledge, innovation, technology, uh, government relations skills would be an asset. It sounds like you're looking for a very focused set of skills. Uh Yep. So there's a skills matrix and people uh, on the board and the community members assess themselves as to whether they feel they have a primary level of knowledge or a secondary level of knowledge or no level of knowledge of that area. And these are skills that over time hospitals have uh, have determined will assist the board in doing its job. So, for example, um, health healthcare, And and so that's obviously one area. But things like I.T. and finance and even legal uh, provide us with um, the support we need that we, you know, we don't have to go and ask a professional because we, we had that information um, in the skills around the table. So um, we've been a skills-based board for a, for a long time um, and have found that that has, has made us a more effective board. So yes, we do, we do look to fill those gaps. And sometimes we specifically go after uh, individuals with a particular skill, but um, we're also very, um, I don't want to use the word, but misuse the word, but we are inclusive. If we have people apply that don't have any of the skills we're looking for, it does not mean they're not considered because they have other things. And um, Cindy mentioned it, it, it lived experience. That's something that we value greatly. And um, it's a way of achieving inclusivity and even diversity if we, if, uh, if, if people come to the table with, with lived experience related to healthcare or lived experience in our county and, and experience with the government, it could be anything, but that's what's, is what's, what enables us to make the right decisions uh, for the community because we have those lived experiences around the table. As an example, um, 
we have been having during the pandemic, we've been having something called generative discussions. So just getting together to discuss a topic of interest. And we were talking about uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And, and because we, we know that this is important, we believe we need to do our best, um, but trying to understand what that is. And, and it came out, one of our directors just out of the, out of the blue shared the fact that that she had been born to teenage parents uh, in poverty and, and that that of course influenced her life. And, we, and we, I thought about that later and then somebody else said something else similar and realized that just because we are who we are now and if we, are, we, we may all look like we're very successful people, um, but that's, that's not actually who we are. We're, we're who we, how we were raised. And, and so we, we, it, I don't think that the diversity and inclusion should be, well, we have one of these and one of those and, and therefore we're finished. We, we need to have people at the table that through their lived experience are going to help us make the right decision for the community and the community as it is that we're governing right now, but also what it's going to be like. And right now we're going through, um, we're started, we've well, actually, we're, out, we're quite a ways through our strategic planning process. And one of the things that we're looking at or trying to envision um, is what, what is our community going to look like in 20 or 30 years? And how does our hospital have to change now over the next five years to be ready for that? So again, the only way we're going to be able to do that, you know, we can do environmental scans and get information from the government. And we're doing all of those things because data is important and you want to be data driven. But we need people to, to look at that data, that information and say, this is what I see happening and again, unspoken is based on what I've been through and what I know, this is what's going to happen. And we have, we have started that process and it's, it's going very well and it's going to be very effective at helping us come up with possible scenarios of the future. We aren't gonna be able to find the one, no one can do that, but it's just, it's having a lot of people engaged and bringing that, their life to it is going to make us um, a better board, but also collectively allow us to create a strategic plan that will, will get the hospital where we had to make sure the hospital is ready for what is coming down the road. You know, when you look at the makeup of the current board, um, I'd, I'd like to know what efforts have been made in the past to diversify the membership of the board and the committees. Well, and going back to the report you talked about with the skills matrix, we do, we have in the past looked for folks from, you know, with different expertise. I mean, I just wanted to mention that the one that we talked about in the fall from, from what you were reading to us, at that point, we had a pretty deep um, pool in each of the areas that we were looking for. So there wasn't anything, one thing that stuck out that we were missing some of that expertise. Um, but what we're also doing is planning for succession planning. So as we were looking forward, thinking about, oh, as people leave, some of those skills are, and that's why it said, you know, that we, um, certain skills like facilities would be a, a benefit um, from somebody coming in. Um, and as far as diversity goes, you know, I think we've spent the last couple of years starting to talk about um, how to remove barriers for or for folks joining the board. Um, we tend to get in our systems um, built in barriers that people can't see and that uh, that um, 
you know, put some folks at dis a disadvantage for joining a board such as ours. So we've gone through the all of our board policies, um, uh, looking at that with a with a, an equity, diversity, and, and inclusivity lens, looking at some of the language that we have there, and then looking at, again for this term around um, what is our language in our in our uh, ads. How are we reaching out to people? Are we, you know, are we just going to the Rotary Club and, and, and talking to Rotarians or are we opening it up to social media for folks that might be younger um, and other other places where people get their news, well, if you will, so that we can, we can talk a bit more about that? Because I, I'd, I'd <laughs> like to know what efforts have been made to include, say, the, the BIOPOC community, you know, Black, Indigenous and people of color. What, what have you done specifically to recruit people like that? We haven't specifically set out to recruit uh, people from the BIPOC community, um, not looking for necessarily, um, you know, people of color walking down the street. What we've tried to do is to, is to decrease the, the barriers to people um, who can see themselves. And, and our, our new HR uh, VP has been helping us with the, some of the language around reducing barriers so that folks could actually see themselves as a board member, um, you know, rather than, than going, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't look at that completely white board. I don't see myself as a member of that. Um, so we've had a bit of... Um, training, education, whatever you wish from, from our new HR director about that. That would be the most specific thing I would say, Pam, that we've done um, in the last little while. But, but what about efforts to maybe include members of the Indigenous community on the board? Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems like a really obvious one that would make a lot of it sense. And, and what efforts have been to include those people, especially? Yeah. Oh, and, and certainly, um, over the years even, uh, not just recently, we have uh, had members reach out to members of say the Alderville community. Um, the challenge has been to find someone that has the time to and the inclination to want to come to the board. Um, we've the same for our um, patient, uh, what's it called? Patient um, and Family Advisory Council. Yeah, council, specifically reaching out to that community. Um, to see, you know, if someone would be interested. The challenge right now, of course, is that there's all kinds of boards doing the same kind of thing. Um, so we're, we're coming at it from a, let's see if we can reduce the barriers, have people understand specifically what is, what is required. Because if you look at, do you want to sit on the board? Well, what does that mean? And I can't see myself because um, I don't know how much time the commitment is or what I would have to be doing or, or who these people are. So we've, um, we've tried to do that in our ads to make it more open. We're also having um, like an open town meeting. Um, come and talk to the board members and see, see who's on the board and ask your questions and see if this is something that you might see yourself doing. Um, so small steps, small steps in doing this. But yes, we have in the in the past, we have certainly and in, in past boards, we have had the chief of Alderville sit on boards on the board and, and, and previous boards. Um, but right now we, you know, we haven't got anybody currently from all re representing Alderville, but certainly have at different times reached out. Pam, what is the age of the youngest person on the board? Oh, you would ask that. That's one of the other areas that we are definitely trying to, to reduce the average age of, of um, a board member. Since we don't ask how old people are, I can only guess, but I know we have some that are, they're in their late forties. Um, 
and there's quite a few of us that are are definitely senior citizens. But I think, and, and I think, in order to diversify age as well as culture, um, that that is our intention. And and what we're and one of the reasons we're grateful to talk to you today and 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 get our message out there. We've got a PSA as well um, that uh, 897 is going to play for us. Is is we're trying to to pull versus push. So instead of having um, board members and other interested parties go out into the community and try and push people towards the board, we're hoping that by providing a variety of tools and touch points that it will actually pull people in. So for example, um, Cindy mentioned the open townhouse on Zoom call with uh, people from the board and community members available to answer questions. On the website, we have um, the hospital website, we have an expression of interest form that people can fill out if they are interested in a, in a frequently asked questions portion as well so they can get their questions answered um, or ask more questions. Um, so we're hoping that by, by doing that pull that people will take advantage of the information that we've put out there of the contacts that we've made possible to see themselves um, there, there's definitely a misconception about the board. Many people think that we get paid, which we don't. Um, many people probably still think it's, and I don't mean to, at all to be derogatory about my male friends, but a bunch of men in shirts and ties sitting around a table, that's not true either. In fact, more than 50% of our board are, are female. Um, it, it's, it's and, and being able to, we, we have found it actually quite successful with our patient and family advisory council to approach it this way. Then they have actually been able to recruit younger people because young people, if they are interested, they go to the website, they look for information, they fill in the forms, they send them in. And um, so we're hoping that that will work and, and hopefully connect with the younger people. And for those that are not as comfortable doing that, we have other things such as the, the Zoom meeting, this open house we're talking about. We've also got interviews with your radio station um, and providing people ways to reach us, not just by the internet, but also say by telephone. But it seems so, the so we'll hospital see. foundation is quite successful. They've got a, a youth unit that goes out and fundraises for them. And they've got all the, a picture of all the, looks like about 15 or 20 young people going out raising money for them. How come you guys can't do the same thing uh, at the board level? Well, and, I, and, I, and I, it's not that we can't. And we first have to attract them, but you also, there, we have this fiduciary you know, responsibility where we have to make decisions on behalf of the hospital and a certain amount of life experience or work experience is required to do that well. So it's not that they're not welcome. And I'd love to see some younger people on our committees. Um, we, we purposely had them, you know, first thing in the morning, like eight o'clock, so that hopefully we can get people that are uh, before they go to work. And, and, and again, just trying to remove some of the barriers as, as Cindy mentioned, but um, yeah, it's, it's not something, it's certainly something we would like to do. And again, we're hoping that through this approach, we also will be looking at um, a patient and family advisory council, the people that have gone that way into the organization. Can we, can we attract them to the board? Um, the foundation board just recently um, went on a, a, a a program of trying to find new members. And they actually identified some people that, that applied to the foundation that they think would be better suited to the hospital board. So, we, you know, we, we're getting those people as well uh, and making touch points with them. So um, it's, it's not that we don't want to, but we also would, 
would not um, want to have a, a young person come and then not be able to participate because of the, the lack of experience. So there has to be that that weighing of, of experience. And, and certainly at the committee member, uh, at, the commu- at the committee level, they might be a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I guess know- the other thing too, though, uh, is, you know, at economic classes of people, um, you know, how, how do we get those people who are maybe not as well off, but also, I mean, they use the system, they know the system, I'm sure they have needs and ideas and thoughts about how the system could be improved. What about engaging those people? Maybe Cindy, would you like to speak to that? Well, and I think the key is that we certainly don't, we don't judge on, um, you know, level of income or, or that sort of thing at all coming onto the board. And that's why we've really put our focus on removing barriers. Like what are the barriers of keeping, you know, folks um, from joining the board? We've started to, well, for the last two years, we've had to use Zoom as as a a platform, but we've been talking about, you know, how can we make it so that people can come? If you're that single mom who has two kids and, you know, lives, it lives in even a rural area and doesn't have access, how, how do we remove the barrier so that that person could come? Um, rather than going out and saying, okay, let's see if we can find a single mom with two kids, or let's see if we can find somebody from the BIPOC community. We really are wanting to remove those barriers. And we've got a commitment really to, to look at what kinds of things do we need to do? Like you don't want to have a meeting in the middle of the day if someone is, you know, on or below the poverty line and having to work their shift and you can't, I mean, I'm, I'm still working. I know how hard it is sometimes to juggle things like that. Um, so looking at, as Pam says, you know, early in the morning before maybe before work, um, that kind of thing so that you can get folks that, that uh, can be available and, and have removed that barrier of the time of day impacting on the work day. Um, you know, we have, we have that sort of commitment in mind to help people be able to be there to, to you know they have that interest and well that's part of the um part of the interview process too is finding out what the interest is and 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 maybe what the barriers are and what would be needed um you know it's kind of a two-way street it's the same with young people you know uh, board work is is a little bit and i mean i've done board work for a long time not just on this board but it's a little dry um it's not the you know rah rah let's raise money for the foundation and that's an excellent thing to do. And I know that there's all kinds of very caring young people. There may be that person out there who is young and who's really keen to learn how to, to do board work. And uh, we wanna make sure that the barrier is not there for them to be able to join then if, if, if they're interested in doing that. Um, as they say, it's not for everyone. Um, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of reading and, and life experience certainly does, does help. Um, but that's not going to keep you know we're not going to push people away uh, necessarily because they don't have specific governance board experience if you will i'd like to change tack now pam how how are you recruited do you remember yes absolutely i um at the time i was president of the north Home united way and our ceo linda Kay, who i'm sure you know uh, was a member of the hospital board and she asked me in my last year as president of the united way would I be interested in joining the Northumberland Hills Hospital Board? And I admitted that it was of interest to me. I, in fact, since I moved to the community, I was had become very interested in doing that. And so um, I was interviewed to join as a community member. 
And as soon as I finished my term with United Way, I moved over to the hospital as a community member. And I spent two years as a community member on a variety of, of committees and then was elected to the board. And what do you get out of it? You know, when you ask people why they want to, to join a board, any board, and ours is no exception, people say because they want to give back. Um, and, and that is definitely the case, I would say, with the majority of our board members. They're doing it because they want to give back to the community. Um, I will be very uh, honest with you. One of the things that I get out of this is it's keeping me young. Um, the fact that I have to use my brain a lot um, is, is good for me. It, it really is. It, 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 I, I really truly believe it's keeping me young. It's like, you know, I do other things like crossword puzzles and jigsaw puzzles and things that to, to help my brain. But having a position of responsibility um, with, with, and you don't get paid to do it, you have to do it because you really, really want to. Um, working with an absolutely wonderful board. I think it's the best not-for-profit board I've been on. And I've been doing not-for-profit work for over 25 years. Not-for-profit board work. Just excellent, excellent board members, excellent community members. Um, they're, they're, they are committed. They are interested. They are interesting. And um, I really look forward to going to meetings, which when I worked for 31 years was not always the case, but I always look forward to going to the meetings of the board. Cindy, your turn. How, how did you get recruited? Um, I actually got recruited because I answered an ad in the paper, in the local paper. Um, I am a nursing professor. I teach at Trent and I had been at Trent for a number of years. Um, I went been a, a director at Peterborough Regional and uh, VP and done a lots of hospital work. And then I'd been at Trent for a number of years and got thinking, I've worked in Peterborough for 20 odd years. I want to give back to my community because I grew up in Port Hope. Um, this is my home community. But I was also a little bit selfish in that I'm teaching new young nurses. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't out of touch. I wanted to make sure that I knew what was happening with healthcare. And I figured that sitting doing governance at a, at a board level um, would give me that insight again so that it was relatively fresh and not, you know, the old professor sitting in the ivory tower talking about days gone by. Um, so I wanted to get back into the into the sort of the meat and potatoes of what healthcare is um, so that I would, you know, I would be current. Um, so I answered the ad and had uh, an interview and was invited to, to join the board. I think I, I did not do the community member piece, but that's um, I think it's an excellent way to, to recruit board members. I happen to have been in, you know, in healthcare and administration and, and doing budgets and finances and all those kinds of things that board folks look at for long enough that I think they figured I might be able to get up to snuff um, on all the acronyms and what was happening relatively quickly. So I, I, I joined the board and, and was delighted to be asked. And you did. You 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 were at the top of the learning curve when you joined, which was great. And that's so we've had we've had experiences both ways. But um, we also I remember hearing from one of our other board members who was never a community member and was recruited directly onto it. And he has provided the feedback that he wished he'd had time as a community member mm -hmm. that he felt for the first year that he could not contribute because he didn't know what was going on most of the time. 
And um, so that was that's interesting feedback from someone who who did not. And it just reinforced that this is a good system. And I have pitched this to uh, my counterparts on boards all across the province. Um, and a lot of other hospital boards are thinking of doing the same thing. Cindy, if I want to apply, how do I do that? And what's my deadline? Well, we've opened that up. So probably the easiest is to go to the uh, Northumberland Hills Hospital website and click on the link to the board. Um, you will see some uh, frequently asked questions. You'll see a little bit of information about the board and um, a form for, um, and it's EOI, expression, which is expression, expression of, interest. of interest form that you can just fill out and send in and it gets into the queue. We, we will be right now um, recruiting by sort of the end of May, um, hoping to be ready for our June board meeting to be able to have new community members on board. Um, but we've also opened this process now so that if you if you miss that deadline and you're thinking come summer, darn, I wish I should have, I wish I had done that. The, the uh, expression of interest is going to be on our website now ongoing so that people who um, all of a sudden think that that may, might be what they're interested in can send that in. And we, we're not carved in stone. So as, as Pam has mentioned earlier, sometimes you have board members for, or community members that have to leave for a very a variety of reasons. We like to keep our membership up. And so with those sort of 12 months of the year expression of interest, um, that will give us a, a pool of people to, to maybe look at in the fall or next spring again. Um, to keep we're trying to really do this succession planning to keep things rolling to keep you know boards turn over luckily they don't turn over a whole board at a time because you'd be in deep deep trouble if it did you need that organizational smarts right on the board and so we have people joining the board and leaving the board at different times so we have that crossover of skills and we have that crossover of knowledge um, so we're hoping that with that uh, ongoing um, expression of interest form that that will will help. You can join us at, at the um, uh, sort of open town hall. Um, and I believe it's Thursday at 7pm that all the information is on the website. And you can ask questions and, and uh, pick our brains and uh, meet some of the board members so that uh, you can see that we are uh, human beings, if you will. Um, yeah, there, won't, there won't be a necktie in sight. <laughs> no. <laughs> if I don't have access to the web, how do I do it? Um, if you don't have access to the website, then you can certainly send a, a, a you can phone the hospital and speak to, to uh, Susan's admin um, assistant, um, ask for administration, say, I have an interest, but I don't have access. Um, they will facilitate uh, getting the information and getting the information to us. Pam Wentz, Cindy Gilmer, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks for the thanks. opportunity, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having us. That was Pam Wente, Chair of the Board of the Northumberland Hills Hospital, and Cindy Gilmer, a member of the Nominations Committee. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. 
Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.